Hello, this is Pastor Galen from the First Nazarene Church in Chicago, and welcome to our podcast. Hey, before we hear the message today, I simply wanted to say that no matter where you're at, we're glad that you're listening today. We hope this message will inspire you, instruct you, and help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. And if you live in the Chicagoland area, maybe this is the first step for you joining us in person sometime. Or if you want to, you can always check out our online live services every Sunday on our website at firstnaz.cc. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the message. Good morning and welcome to First Nazarene Church. Thank you so much for being here today uh, as a part of our church. Whether you're here every week, whether you're here from out of town visiting, or whether you're here today and maybe it's your very first time, uh, thank you for being a part of worship with us today. My name is Galen and I'm the lead pastor here. I would love, especially if you are new, to be able to to, uh, meet you after service, have the chance uh, to meet you, to learn your name, maybe a little of your story and how you came here each and every week in the last few months as I look out um, to see new faces. So I'm excited that you're here and would love to get you uh, connected to the life of the church. A couple things before we jump into the message today. First of all, if you've been around here a little bit longer, maybe you're as excited, uh, maybe you weren't so excited last week or there was fewer of you because you were all online because it was so dadgum cold last week, Uh, but maybe you're excited that we've been talking about it for months and finally live is our first NAS online apparel shop. And so you can get your first NAS uh, merch if you want to. Um, Again, why, Pastor Galen, why why are we doing this? Why Why do we have this? Is it so Galen can have clothes and wear black on black? No, I have clothes. I'm fine. Uh, we're also not doing this to make any kind of profit. The church doesn't get any money from this. No profit at all. Why are we doing this? We wanted to give you a tool for invitation. You would get some nice new clothes, yes, but as you wear them out in public and people notice and ask, you'd be ready and willing at that moment to say, oh, this is, this is my church. And I love my church. And you tell them one thing you love about your church and then maybe invite them to come with you. I know a lot of you last week, you saw that it was live either on the app or scanning the QR code and you saw, or the website, you saw the different items. Uh, but I would encourage you this week to maybe go ahead and get in your order in the first order that we're placing here and so you can get those in the weeks to come. So feel free to do that. Secondly, and especially maybe if you are newer and you're asking the question, how do I get more connected to the life of the church? What, what happens here? What goes on here? Um, this Sunday and next Sunday, we are launching what we call our life groups. Uh, Life group is a smaller community of people. I recognize uh, it can be hard to find connections with people in a large room that is fairly full. So the best way to find connections with other people and to truly experience the Christian community, what does it mean to share life with others, uh, to pray for them, to be there for them and with them, is through what we call our life groups. And we believe we've got a life group for everybody, no matter where you're at on your journey with Jesus, uh, we believe there's a group for you to join. First of all, some of them based around activities. Uh, You see, hey, if you want to play pickleball on Sunday nights, literally just come back tonight, six o'clock. If you want to play basketball, that league uh, starts this week, so you'd want to sign up today on Wednesday nights. You're going to be a theater group, a men's breakfast group, different activities. It's based around an activity. Maybe you're not ready for a Bible study, but you're ready to meet people and to grow in relationship with others. Maybe an activity group is the place for you to do that. We also have the grow groups. Maybe they're Bible studies or topic by themes or message reflection. They talk about what was talked about on Sunday morning um, or more. There's a ton of grow groups in there. And there's other events. Uh, Women's ministry is having a one-day event coming up. Men's ministry, we're hosting a one-day event here at the church. So make sure that you find those groups, uh, at least at the very 
least look through them, uh, and then sign up and find your little group. Again, in the app, QR code, scroll down, you'll see it, life groups. Or if it's simple, Galen, I don't do technology. Come talk to me after the service, uh, and I will help you. Make sure you get in a group this Sunday or next week. Well, today we conclude our 21-day series. I would really encourage you, if today's your first time with us and you're jumping in, what's this 21-day thing, uh, online or in the app, go back and start with the first week of 21 days. We've really designed this series in this way. If you're here and you're curious and you say, I want to grow in my knowledge and in my understanding and in my experience of Jesus, we would challenge you to join in these 21 days. Beginning in the first week, talking about prayer and fasting, drawing close to God, abstaining from something in our life to replace it with something godly, to know God there. And the second week, to actually read the Bible, begin to read it maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time, and why it's important and how we can do it, and the Bible reading plan uh, that we're following together as a church leading up to Easter together. If you would do these things, I promise you, you will grow in relationship with Jesus. Because here's the thing. We believe as you come into this place, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what you have done in your past. This is a family and a community that wants to take you and love you as you are, and then also point you to Jesus. If you've been living life and struggling with, man, is this all there really is? What's my meaning? What's my purpose? Where can I find joy and love and peace? And if you say there's this God who has created everything and created me too, how can I know him? Where can I begin to find the answers to the deeper longings of my soul? First of all, we want you to know that you are so welcome here, and we are glad that you are here. And we point you to this God who created everything we see because he loves us. He created you and me to know him, to love him, and to love and serve other people. Yet each one of us also know that we have not always put in God first in our life. Bible uses the word sin of missing the mark. We haven't lived the kind of life that God would want us to. Instead, we put our selfish desires first. We choose what we want, and we only need to look around in our life to see the result of those decisions, the destructive, chaotic things that come about because we choose ourselves first. And yet, sin enters into the world, but God loves you so much, he doesn't want to leave you there. In scripture, we read that God sends his only son, Jesus, who's fully God and fully man, to come and live this sinless, perfect life. He shows us a new way to be human. This is what life is supposed to be like, loving God and loving and serving other people. And in Jesus, God puts the sin of the entire world on him on the cross. And Jesus dies for our sin. But three days later, he was raised from the dead. And he's proven victorious over sin and even death that if we put our hope, our faith, our trust, our belief in him, he forgives us of our sin. We pass through that death and on into life. Life with God forever in the end of time, yes, but even now, that God's spirit would come and live within you and begin to change you. This isn't the life you've always had to live, but God would change you and transform you into who he's truly created you to be, and there you find meaning and purpose and joy and love and peace. This is what we believe as a church. It's not a religion and something you have to come to and you leave. This is a relationship you've been meant to live within. So within this 21 days, what we're doing is to say, if you want to know God, not just in my head, I believe in God, but I want to know God over the course of my life of a deep confidence. I know who he is. I know he loves me. I know I'm living as I should. If you practice these things, 
you can know that. Today, the first two have really revolved more around the classic spiritual disciplines. Today, I would say this is an ancient practice, but to reframe it more in a modern way. Because I don't know if you have felt this, but when you look around in our world, if you look at your schedule on your calendar, it feels like the pace of life has been ever increasing faster and faster and faster, and there's more things to do and more things that are expected, and these are what more people do. And even as I'm talking really fast, we realize that more and more people in the world talk faster and faster and faster. Don't you hate it when young pastors just talk so fast you can't keep up? I know, I gotta talk to Pastor Hunter about it. He's the worst, I tell you what. Talk so fast. Our pace has quickened. Maybe you realize you see it in your grandkids' schedule, your own kids' schedule. It feels like there's so many more activities to be involved in, and the expectation is that we're supposed to be involved in all of them. Now, some of us can treat this like it's wonderful. I love that the pace of life is fast. If you only live once, better get busy living because you only get one shot at it. Let's do it. The rest of us, it maybe causes stress, anxiety, wondering, am I created for more than being an unpaid Uber driver for my teenager to get them to the next thing? I feel like that's all I do in the evenings. Is this really how we're supposed to live? Yet in life, we realize, fast does not always equal better. Take fast food, for an example. It's wonderful that we don't have to go and buy and clean and create and cut meat and cook it for ourselves and clean up afterward. It's wonderful. So just give me a double cheeseburger, large fries, large Coke, a side of potential heart disease, and I'll be on my way. Faster, but not always better. As we live life at a breakneck pace, what does it do to the soul? This desire that I'm supposed to create to know God, and I have these bigger questions. Here's my hunch. For most of us, we never slow down to ask the bigger questions. We never slow down to ask, how can I live in relationship with God? And something happens in life, a tragedy, a sickness, or something, and we pause for a minute. God, are you here? If you're real, do you love me? But then the next thing comes, and we don't address it. Today, I'm talking about a spiritual practice of margin. What if we begin to build in time and space in our life to experience God? For I believe that a life lived with no margin, no time, no space, it leaves a soul marginalized, unimportant, not addressed. How do we live with good margin in our lives. Today, I want to share with you a little bit from Mark chapter 6. If you do have your Bible, uh, if you had it open or in the first NASAP, click on Bible. It'll take you straight there. I want you to see the full context for what I want to share with you today. When we look at Jesus, this one who we follow, this one that we're becoming more and more like him, how did Jesus deal with busyness, with celebration, with grief? Did Jesus have room in his life for margin? At the top of Mark chapter 6, Jesus is doing miracles. He's walking around, he's healing people, he's casting out demons, he's announcing, God loves you, the kingdom of God has come here on earth as is in heaven. God is already ruling and reigning here on earth as he one day will be. Things are going amazing. And Jesus, you look at the next section, brings his disciples around to them, and he commissions them. He says, you're now apostles. Go into the surrounding towns and villages. Announce that the kingdom of God has come. Pray for people, cast out demons, do amazing good works in my name. So the disciples go. And then the next section, there's a little break and change of subject here. Jesus' cousin, John, John the Baptist, 
Uh, he's in prison for calling out authorities and telling them what they're doing is wrong. And there's a turn of events, you can read about it, and John loses his head because of his faith. He's beheaded. He's Jesus' cousin, he's Jesus' friend, he's Jesus' loved one. If you're Jesus and you experience the death of someone close to you whom you love, your heart is full of grief. At just that moment, the disciples come back, if you keep reading. Oh, Jesus, we've been in the towns. It's been amazing. Lord, it's just like you said. The kingdom of God is coming. People are receiving the good news. This is amazing. Gratitude, celebration, joy. I get this picture of Jesus with mixed emotions all at the same time. And can't we have this too? I'm so happy and celebrating. I'm also grieving and wondering why things had to be this way. And it's at this moment Jesus says these beautiful words, and I want you to see them today, our main passage from Mark 6. It says, then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that he and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. And so they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. He recognized that in the midst of our busyness, celebration, grief, I think Jesus even, they didn't even have time to eat a busy life. You recognize that Jesus says, this is not the way that life is supposed to be lived. He said, come away with me. Let's go to a quiet place. Let's rest a while. I picture getting in a boat in a scenic lake, like in the Rockies in Colorado, mountains in the background, beautiful flowers. Let's get away to a quiet place and rest for a while. And I don't know if you read this, some of you are like, Pastor, are you telling me I can have me time today? Like, I'll just give the kids a screen the rest of the time. You're telling me I need me time? Is that what you're saying? I don't know if you've ever planned, like, I'm going to have some quiet time. I'm going to get away. It feels like for me, every time we plan something like that, something else happens, right? There's a, but then something happened. Same thing happens in this story. Jesus says, come away, let's get away. And it says, but, and then it goes on. But many people recognize them. And saw them leaving, and people from many towns ran ahead of them along the shore and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. I can imagine. I was trying to get away. Is he annoyed? Is he angry? Is he frustrated? He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them. If you still got your Bible open there, this is where Jesus begins to teach. The day grows late. And the disciples say, Jesus, send all these people home. They need some food. Jesus says, no, you feed them. Jesus, we don't have anything. We got bread, some fish. Jesus says, bring me what you have. I love this. Bring me what you have. And he takes what they have, and he blesses it and breaks it. He says, pass it out. They begin to pass it out. More than 5,000 men, plus then their families, let's call all of Lamont, ate dinner that evening. And then Jesus does something else that oftentimes we miss in this story. It goes on, and it reads this way. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted his disciples go back in the boat, head across the lake, and then he sent the people home, and after telling them goodbye, he went up to the hills to pray by himself. Can I ask you a question? If Jesus, who is fully God and fully man, needs time and space, solitude and margin from the world to reconnect with God, how much more do we need it? Do we take time and space, solitude and margin in our life to sit and be with God? First of all, you can pat yourself on the back because you're here today because you have done that. But I don't just mean Sundays. What does it look like to build in more margin 
in your life. Today, as we speak about margin, I want to address, I think, the two hardest areas in our lives to make margin. The two things that we hold more dearly than anything else, which because of that, Jesus addresses these things the most. The things that we protect, our time and our money. And I want to address each one in turn. First of all, in our time, do we have margin in our life? If you wake up every morning and from the moment your feet hit the floor, you begin working and you don't stop until you go to sleep. And the only reason you're going to go to sleep is because I guess I have to sleep to get some rest to get started again tomorrow. You'll experience a soul that has shallowness in your relationship with God. What does it begin to look like to say, I'm going to build some margin or some time around the edges of my life. Without enough time to invite new friends over, you'll never have any new friends. Without enough time to invest in yourself physically or mentally, you will become sluggish. Without enough time to invest in the most important relationships in your life, you'll realize sooner or later that you've or you prioritized the wrong things. You're prioritizing what's. What do I do? What can I accomplish? What can I accumulate? What do I have? Instead of the who's, the people are the most important thing in life. Or if you have time, some of you are in a different stage of life. The kids are out of the house. Honestly, I have more time than I ever thought I would have, and I have more time than I know what to do with. Whether we have built in that margin or naturally have more time, then I would ask you, what is it that I do with my, quote-unquote, free time, the time in the margin? And I would say that most of us have bought into the cultural lie that doing nothing is restful. Yet I do think that that is a lie. The best way I know to explain it, I'll explain this to you. Um, you'll have to forgive me. I shared this story, but it's been over a year ago, and first of all, there's so many new people. I feel like I can share it. And the rest of you that were still here a year ago, I know you remember every word I say from every week anyway, and so I figure I could share this story again. Um, when I was 19, I felt a call into ministry to become a pastor. And so I began taking pastor's um, classes to become, and I start being an intern and start serving at a church. And I start meeting weekly with a mentor, and I've told you a lot about him. He's had an impact in my life. And every week I would meet with him, and I remember one week we sat down, he said, Galen, how are you doing this week? How's your relationship with God? Where, you know, where are you at today? I was like, honestly, I'm tired. I'm like, a little sluggish. Um, I just feel like disconnected from God and like really honestly just kind of tired. He said, okay, um, let's look. Actually, wasn't it like your Sabbath yesterday or if you're unfamiliar Christian practice of Sabbath to take one day a week where God has given it to you as rest to focus on him, uh, to enjoy the things of life. It's supposed to be restorative. Your Sabbath was yesterday. Did you, did you practice Sabbath? Oh man, let me tell you. I, th I did. And it was the best thing ever. Let me just tell you. Man, I slept in as late as I could. Like, I didn't want anybody to bother me. I woke up. I'm like, today's going to be a great day. I want to do everything that I want to do today. I'm just going to, yeah, I'm going to focus on me. And so when I woke up, honestly, it was almost lunchtime already. And so I was like, what can I think about for lunch? And I had the most amazing, actually, I don't know if you can put most amazing and frozen cardboard pizza in the same sentence with one another, uh, but I mean, I had this pizza for lunch. It was good. I started watching this show that I've been following. Have you seen this show? Oh, man, I watched like eight episodes in a row. I'm not going to lie. And before I knew it, I was like, it's time for dinner again. If you can tell, I've told you before, I kind of love food. And Chinese food, the only question here was orange chicken, General Tso's, what do we order? Just get both. It's fine. Double order egg roll. That's fine, too. And play some video games, drink some Mountain Dew. First of all, some of you are judging me. This wasn't last week, okay? I was 19. 
This was a while ago. And I was like, this is what I want to do. My wise mentor paused, and he said, so, Galen, you just told me everything you did yesterday, but then you told me how you felt in your relationship with God today, right? Yes. First of all, this is where I began to learn a very important lesson. When most of us rest, oftentimes what it looks like is screens and overindulgence. But does that re- lead to a life that is fulfilling? For me, I also began to realize the cultural lie that freedom, I want to do what I want to do, s- looks like life in the moment, but ultimately is not fulfilling. When the opposite, begin to follow Jesus, it looks like death in the moment. Oh, I have to sacrifice and give up my own way and change my life to do what Jesus would want me to do? I'm not sure if I really want to do that. This doesn't sound like freedom. Actually leads to a life of freedom and fulfillment and abundance. So I begin to learn this lesson because my mentor said to me, you did everything you wanted to do, yet you still feel disconnected from God. What if in your rest, it's not so much what you want to do, and God has given you good things to enjoy, yes, but also in your Sabbath, did you spend any time thinking about God at all? It's like, frankly, no. I was thinking about me. What does it look like? Not even the whole day, but to connect with him. And as you enjoy the good things that he has given you to say, thank you to him. You see, rest doing nothing or screens or overindulgence is not actually rest. If you want rest for your soul, focus on Jesus. Bring him with you into that moment as well. This is what rest looks like. If you're tired, take a nap. If you need rest, pause. But if your soul is starving, spend solitude and time with Jesus and there find rest for your soul. This is the margin we need in our time. Super practically today, how do I do this? If I want to make this as practical as I can daily, what would it look like for you? It have been 15 minutes. If margin is space around the edges, what about 15 minutes before anyone else in your house wakes up? Spend some quiet time with Jesus. 15 minutes before you go to bed, put down a screen, put it away, stop conversation, silence with God, build in margin and think about your day. For those of you following the 21-day tracker we gave out on week one, that's the challenge for this week. Can you build in margin at the beginning and end of your day to spend time with him? Maybe this daily and weekly, what if you would practice Sabbath? Some of us grew up in church and Sabbath was a, um, you have to do it. And yes, God wants you to do it. But yet when you have to do it, you fail to realize that this is a gift from God. This is what he wants for you. Do you realize that God who created you is not some angry, you must work every single day I've given you life? He wants you to enjoy the good things he has given you. Rest in him. Practice Sabbath weekly. Monthly and quarterly retreat with Jesus. And we value this, we understand the value of this with our young people. We send our kids to camp, we send our teenagers to the ski trip coming up or summer camp or mission trip because we know when we retreat, God moves in amazing ways. And then as adults, we never do it. What if we would practice this as adults, whether it's joining something that the church is doing in a retreat, whether it's booking ourselves a time and space away to spend time with God. I remember in college when I was like, brand new to following Jesus. I really didn't know that much about the Bible. I was like, I want to spend time with God. I go to the library. I open my Bible, and I'm like, the book of Revelation has always seemed like weird, and people talk about it, and I want to know what's about. So I'm going to spend time with God, and I'm going to read it. And I told you last week, it's probably not a great place to start, and there's other places. Because I read it, and I was like, I have no idea what I just read. It was all 22 chapters. It took a little bit. And I was like, I have no idea what I just read. Yet when I walked out of the library... 
and I looked up, and I'd been in silence with God, reading his word, even when I didn't understand it. I see the sun setting over the trees, and beautiful snow on the ground, and an orange sky. I felt this holy sense of God's presence. For when we draw near to God, he draws near to us. Retreat with him, monthly or quarterly, and yearly vacation. Now, when you vacation, hopefully you take vacation, bring Jesus with you. Don't just forget about everything, and I just want to escape from everything. Bring him with you, even on your vacation. When it comes to your time, come close to God, and he will come close to you. You've heard me repeat this verse every week of this series. Yet, can I be a little stronger with you today? This isn't just, hey, here's how I manage my time, and here's good practices, and if you want to know God more. In the book of James, he's a little bit stronger, and I'd love to be a little stronger with you today. Come near to God, and he will come close to you. Yes, and then he says, wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. I told you it's a little stronger. What if how we spend our time actually reveals to us what we prioritize? Or better language, what if it reveals what we idolize? Things have become idols to us. Those things that we turn to with our time have become more important than time with God. That's why he says, wait, your loyalty is divided. Do you put God first in priority in your life or something else? C.S. Lewis's thoughts here are challenging. He says at the end of life, God doesn't send people one way or another. God gives us exactly what we have desired all along. If you want God, if you desire God, at the end of life, that's what you receive. If you've intentionally lived your life not wanting and desiring God, at the end, that is what you receive. You see, if you live with no margin in your life, if you don't spend sustained time with Jesus, you'll experience the shallowness of your soul of do I know Jesus more? And for me personally, it feels a little incongruent to say I want to spend eternity with him if I can't spend any time with him now either. Let's build in margin. Secondly, not only, today, not only margin in our time, but secondly, margin with our money. And I'll be very quick on this point today. But I would say this, margin, wiggle room, spaces. I've noticed, and this may be just me, and maybe I'm wrong, and this doesn't describe your situation, but for most of us in our American society today, if we earn this much, we spend this much. And then if we earn more, does our spending stay right here? No, it goes right here too. And there's a little bit of room between, or maybe we spend more than we earn, hopefully not. And then we earn this much, and then it jumps, jumps up. What if we, in our earning more, were to actually answer the question, how much is enough? How much is enough for my family? How much is enough to be peaceful and content? And how much is enough? Do we need to? And so what if we build in margin? So if here's what I earn, what if I intentionally only spend here? And so there's space between here, margin. Here's what I tell you, not even from a Christian perspective, if you build in margin in your finances, you'll have less stress, you'll have more security, I mean, it's a less anxious way to live. But also, with Christianity, and here's, here's what's fun for me, and I know we don't talk about money, it's so close to our hearts, we don't ever want to talk about it. If you build in that margin, this is where money becomes fun. Uh, I'll give you a phrase today, if you find it helpful, you can keep it, if not, throw it out. For me, meaningful money is greater than play money. Meaningful money. In that margin, here's the space, here's uh, what I have and what I have to spend 
Oftentimes in our own immaturity, we say, so what else can I have? What else can I get? What experience do I want to have? It's functionally my play money, and I want to spend it on me. That's fine. But I think that oftentimes we can also grow into maturity to say, and you still do those things, but in our margin, what if we begin to use our money for more meaningful things? And when you see someone that you know is struggling, you give them an anonymous blessing. And when you do, you see them light up because no one in our society does that. Oh my goodness, who would do this? And you silently get to sit back and smile. When the widow that's going through hard times and you provide something for them, when the family that is struggling and you bless them, and these, these are personal examples for me, this is where money is fun. So I can spend something on me, play money, that's fun. But when I'm doing something that provides for someone else, Scripture says we have been blessed to be a blessing for others. When I use what I have been blessed with to bless someone else, it's not just a blessing for them, is it? The blessing actually becomes mine too. I think of when I was a youth pastor, we would take our small groups of students. We did what we called the blessing project. We would give each small group $150 a piece and say, use this however you want to, but you must bless someone else. And we let them creatively come up with what they wanted to do. There was a group of high school girls that went into Taco Bell and decided to buy everyone's tacos as they came through. Then they started singing and dancing and making a whole show out of it, and Taco Bell turned into a party real fast. Um, different groups would do different things, but I remember our junior, senior high school boys took their $150 and said, how much pizza can we buy for 100? It's, first of all, sounds exactly like junior, senior boys. How much pizza can we buy for $150? Let's take it to the men's homeless shelter and see how many people we can feed. So these junior, senior boys and their life group leaders go to the homeless shelter. They start feeding everybody with pizza. People are having a grand time, and one of our youth leaders busts out and starts singing Amazing Grace. And all of a sudden, these 100 homeless men and these junior, senior boys start singing Amazing Grace together. They come back. I'm not even fully aware of all that's happened. They come back to the church after this. What I see is they come through the door, and there are junior and senior boys weeping. And I'm like, what happened tonight? What happened, youth leaders? Someone please explain what's going on here. And so I asked one of the students, what happened here? They're like, Galen, you gave us 150 bucks, which I'm not going to lie. Uh, this kid didn't come to church a ton. I'm not going to lie. I kind of thought to myself, we could just pocket it and go home. Like, that'd be easy. But then we gave it away. And they started singing some song I didn't know. It was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Junior, senior boy saying this. What's interesting is we recognize these things are true, and it's easier to give away when it doesn't feel like it's our money, which is exactly the point from a Christian perspective. Everything we've been given, we have not earned ourselves. Everything we have is a gift from God. What if we practice generosity in the margins, and when you do, you find it's not just me blessing them. Holy smokes. This is meaningful. I'm receiving the blessing here. From a Christian perspective, how do we deal with our finances? Just really quickly, from Proverbs 3. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. Who doesn't want that? And your vats will brim over with new wine. As we think about as we give generously to the church, um, you know, as our earning goes up and then there's the margin, we don't so much practice a um, tip of God. God, I've had the main chorus, and like, here's what I have left. Here, I'll give you a tip. Scripture tells us to give the first fruits. When we receive what we have, to give first to God and to his work and to his mission, and there find a meaning in new people finding Jesus in the ministry of the church. And then as you operate with margin that you have built in, I would implore you to remind you of these scriptures of generosity. 
um, from these other verses. In the margin, remember, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Give and it will be given back to you. And a generous man will be blessed and so generously and you will reap generously. And you can look up those verses if you want to, if you want to study more on it. Remember that meaningful money is actually more fun than play money. Build in margin in your money and you'll at the very least experience less stress, less worry, more security and safety. And if you honor God with your first fruits and in the margins, you'll experience the blessing being given back to you to the degree that you bless others. So today, in response, here's what I want you to do. And this is probably too much to write down in your notes, so it's fine if you want to take a picture and talk about it later. Would you go home and have a conversation about your time? Is there room for God in your margins? Make an intentional plan. Put it into action. Secondly, have another conversation about your money. Do we want more margin? It's a great place to start. What do you do with your margin? Is there also room for God there? Make an intentional plan and put it into actions. Today, if you do these things, I promise you'll begin to experience God in and through your life. And as we end these 21 days, these three weeks of teachings, I also recognize some of you found out my little secret. Pastor Galen, this isn't supposed to be just 21 days, is it? The Bible reading plan has like 60 days on it. I thought this was 21 days. At the end of these 21 days, I don't want you to stop praying, close your Bible, and eliminate margin from your life. These are things that help you begin to practice a with God life, where he's with you. And over time and over your life, you will begin to know him and see his abundance in your life. I'm gonna close with the same way I have each week. If you're happy with the life you currently have, don't change a thing. But if you want to see God more, if you want to know him more, if you want him to bless you more, then change what you do with your time and money. Build in the margin and watch him work and it will fill you with joy as he blesses you. What if today the greatest catalyst to grow in your relationship with Jesus was actually something incredibly practical, changing how we spend our time and our money. This week, make room for Jesus and watch him work in your life. Would you pray with me today? God, I thank you for all that you have done for us. I thank you that you have given up your own life selflessly and generously for us so that we may experience the forgiveness of sin and new life with you, a relationship where we can live with you day in and day out. God, I pray for our church as we close out or for some even begin this 21-day journey, 21 journey of knowing you more. You continually meet us in our prayer and our fasting and our Bible reading and now in our margins. God, would you continue to bless your people to be a blessing to others. And as we are, God, may we continue to see the fruit of the things we have seen this year. More and more people entering into a relationship with Jesus. More and more people finding freedom and forgiveness and from their addictions and their pain and their shame. God, as people are generous, would you continue to use it to do your work? Help us to make room for you in our life. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. And thanks again for joining us for the First Naz podcast. If you're interested in what your next step in growing your relationship with God might look like, I'd encourage you to visit us at firstnaz.cc engage, or you can download our app from the app store, First Nazarene Church. And there you can let us know if you've made a decision for Jesus, or you can also find practical resources to help you grow closer to Jesus. 
I'd also invite you to subscribe to the podcast if you're not already to make sure that you've always got the latest content. And if you want to, feel free to share this on your social accounts. You never know who else might need to hear today's message as well. Well, thanks again for joining us. Have a great day.